Welcome, everyone, to We Universe. We are the Internet's comprehensive Wii U podcast. Stop, I'm already sick of you saying we. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't help it. It's just it's built into the into the title. It's built into everything. And it's built into like our sense of community that we have around That's here. That's true. We, that we really we have around here. We really fostered a joyful community <laughs> to be around all in celebration of this great, great video game console. Exactly. Are, are you exactly. saying you're trying to create a Wii-topia? Exactly. <laughs> oh no. Oh dear. Uh, yeah, that's a bad title, right? Like that Metopia game, just because like it's a utopia. It's not whatever. I don't know. I'm not even going to analyze that right now. My name is Steve Gunley. <laughs> hello, I'm Woody Siskowski. Uh We are joined by a very special guest today. Please say hello, very special guest. I am J.R. Rawls of the podcast Talking Terrific Television, where every week we go through the best TVs of all time, starting with The Sopranos. Starting with the Samsung HK. These <laughs> <laughs> are the best TVs of all time. You, 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 every year you buy a model from the local antique store and you rate it on picture quality, resolution, and how well the antenna plugs in. I that would actually a be a podcast out yeah. there like that. I would not surprise me. That's actually there. You go. That's a free April Fool's Day episode where you just you know you just talk oh, about TVs, uh, just just terrific television sets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I have found myself in multiple. Uh, I'm not a part of a, a lot of subreddits, but one of the ones I'm part of is like CRT collectors, and people <laughs> will just share pictures of their their garages that just have like eight giant CRTs <laughs> laid out. And you you know that the wives slash girlfriends are not particularly keen on this. No, yeah, no. yeah. Not I, uh, least of all for what all that radiation is doing to their sperm count in that garage. Sure, <laughs> but I honestly get that because I recently splurged and bought a SNES, um, sure. and I tried hooking it up to my HD TV, and the lag was just literally unplayable. Like it's an adventure. It, it is garbage uh trying to hook it up to a modern tv and i got the right connector and everything but you wouldn't think like half a second matters but even in super mario world half a second is is the difference between a good game and a nope this is garbage (laughs) yeah yeah it really does make a difference i mean that was how i spent my 2020 is spending a silly amount of money to play old games on a modern TV. <laughs> We're just finding like really elaborate ways to play games. Yeah, like every ways. game yeah. I want to play now requires at least four different plugins to things. <laughs> which is great, which is great. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, good, to, it's I'm no, good to have some variety for it. I'm no longer interested in actually playing games. I just want to connect wires and have th- pictures appear on the screen. <laughs> There's actually a video game that you can do that. It's uh, build your own PC, the video game. And all oh, you do sure. is... <laughs> Uh, put together wires and tubes and whatnot. Oh my God! <laughs> they got well, you we're, covered. We're very excited to have the host of a Sopranos podcast here today because we, we are talking about Sopranos another games? mob. Oh no! Uh, a, a, a mob that that is responsible for a lot of hits. Uh, and by that, I mean, of course, the Avengers, Marvel's mm. Avengers, the, you get, the most famous mob. You get thumbs down on that segue, Steve. That was, I mean, I don't know. That, that's, I, I, that's I'm a getting hit by your sweat from over here. It's, it's flopping <laughs> out of me so hard. Uh, yes, but today we are talking about the Avengers, okay? We are talking about a trio of like Avengers games. was like a British TV show in the 80s, right? That's they were like the a one. bunch of legal defenders. Yeah, and then this movie, or these games today are all based on the Sean Connery movie where he plays a madman who's trying to control the rain. 
<laughs> is uh, that really what it's That's really the plot of that movie. <laughs> okay. He has a machine that can control the world's weather, and that's <laughs> that sounds, what he wants to do. Sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah. Uh, but no, we're talking about Marvel's Avengers. There are three games on the Wii U that center on Marvel's band of superheroes. One of them is called Marvel Avengers Battle for Earth. One is called Lego Marvel Superheroes, and the other is called Lego Marvel's The Avengers. So... Lots of different stuff to talk about today. So, like, just like a soup of words. It is. They just like dumped a bunch of titles in there and pulled them out randomly. That's my big problem with like all of these games. Wait till we play uh, Lego the Lego Movie. Uh, (laughs) That's that's coming up. They don't don't want it to get confused with like. Playmobil, the Lego movie. Or Darren Aronofsky's The Lego Movie. But honestly, Henry Jaglum's. Are either of you old time comic book readers? I am, yeah. I've, I'm a comic book fan going back quite a while. So, like, that could totally be an Avengers t- title back in the day. You know, oh, it, yeah. could, it could be the story for issue 273, no problem. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like a total what if or something. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, what if Lego, where Marvel is just a bunch of Lego characters, you know? <laughs> Um, but yeah, JR, you were kind enough to come on the show. This was one of a handful of Wii U games that you own, right? Is this a game? Uh, yes. or, well, I should say so, Lego Marvel Super Heroes is one that you own. Yeah. So uh, I got the other uh, Avengers game for this podcast, and I Ooh. have thoughts. Oh, boy. I have many thoughts as, on as that. As do we. That is one of... We can, we can get into it. I think that's yeah. one of the weirdest Marvel games ever made. Uh, and, but yeah. I... I am a Wii U owner. I am naturally a Wii U owner. I didn't buy it to be on this podcast. <laughs> One of, some... of us. One <laughs> of us. But I came to the Wii very late in the game. I bought a Wii one year before a Switch. Oh, and wow. That was a weird experience. I got to tell <laughs> you. It was, uh, the Wii came out when I was what I call the baby bubble. That's Mm. where uh, me and my wife had uh, two young kids, and you're just so enraptured. You really have no time for video games, so I'm missing all these things. And I was always a Nintendo fan. You know, got uh, the Wii uh, opening day, you know. Just uh, really loved Nintendo, but I just wasn't in the right phase of life for the Wii U. And then things kind of calmed down, and I went, oh, I'm going to finally get this Wii U thing. And there were a lot of really solid games on the system. Uh, If you comment into it, I I can't remember, three or four years into the development cycle. Mm -hmm. But I uh, I would not have wanted to have been a day one supporter and just seen those titles trickle in. But for (laughs) me, my own personal Wii Wii U experience was overwhelmingly positive. It was like, I'm buying this system for not that much. I'm mm-hmm. getting a gr- bunch of great games for not that much. This is working awesome for me. <laughs> well, yeah, you you got it at the right time, I think. Like, because it, it was also divorced from some of the kind of uh, painful press that was going on around surrounding the system. You know, like a lot of the hype around it was pretty toxic mm-hmm. when it came out, and it just wasn't as big of a hit as the Wii U. And the other thing we need to point out, I don't even think we even ever mentioned it on the first episode. And credit to, uh, I think it was Bob Mackey who was tweeting about it, but. It's the Wii U came out at the like peak of the recession. Like we were oh, at yeah. kind of the lowest point of our economic like struggles of the last 10 years. So people weren't really in the market to buy a new video game console either. 
you know, but by 2016 or whatever, right when the, the switch is about to come out, like things have alleviated a little bit and people are kind of mm-hmm. can. And, and also all the Wii U's are on sale now, you know, because nobody wanted yep. them. So, I got you know, mine used. So, yeah, 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 yeah. As did I. Yeah. So it's it's kind of easy to uh, kind of, yeah, to get a little bit more excited about it. So I'm glad you had a more positive experience with it. And uh, yeah, showing your collection, you have like kind of five or six just like very solid yeah, and that's, that's games. That's after I took, I pruned my collection some because mm. i stand for the switch hard yeah um, yeah we can talk about a little bit uh why the switch is so 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 very much better <laughs> than the wii u if that's not a topic that you guys exhausted but no, no. i actually experienced it uh while i was uh replaying uh marvel uh Battle for uh, Earth? Battle for Marvel Earth. Versus Again, yeah, Marvel versus the Super get, Scrolls? Word, word yeah. Soup. Word, word Soup. The, the, the Marvel, Marvel, the Lego Ninjago movie? Salad. Marvel, Marvel word, word Salad with a side of Word Soup. Marvel Madness. It's like a Marvel called. Word Bread Bowl. Marvel, play it with a trackball. Lego, no, Lego Marvel <laughs> Super Heroes 1 on the Wii U. I experienced uh, why I love my Switch so much more for that because I was... Uh, I had already played it with my son some before this podcast, and I was just mm-hmm. replaying it to kind of uh, refresh myself on it. Uh, it was late at night, uh, so I was playing it in just the uh, handheld mode with the TV off. Sure. Uh, and then I get up and I go to another room because I'm in switch mode, and it stops working because I'm out of range. And oh, just yeah. that little bit of annoyance is just like, yeah... This so, isn't delivering on really the concept that I would have wanted from the Wii U. When that happens, do you does the, the console essentially crash when that happens, or do you just walk back in range and it resumes where you were? It, 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 it I wouldn't say it, it resumes where you were. It resumes as if you just stopped playing. Like if you leave a controller on a couch and stop pushing buttons. I see. Yeah, so it goes. It goes. It's kind of like when your controller drops out. Yeah, uh, there you go. Yeah, like so your game isn't over. You can jump back into where it is. But yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, at least on the positive side, it doesn't matter in these games if you die at all. Yeah, it's like, true. It's you not like just... you were trying. You got really far in Sekiro, and then you walked out, and your character <laughs> right. just got sliced in twain. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Avengers video games because there are surprisingly few. Because and it's the also... Avengers were not big until after adaptations had died. That's uh, the weird we, thing, yeah. Yeah, when we were growing up, you know, adaptations of movies were huge. Some of them were garbage, but some of them mm-hmm. were utter treasures. You know, I will always love the DuckTales video game or the Aladdin video game. I mean, those are really good, solid games based on adaptions. And then you get these other adaptions for films that are dear to my childhood, but whose gameplay is absolute garbage. Yeah. But I I have a working theory on this and I want to pitch it to you guys because I haven't heard it. When we were young, Media was so restricted. Like, say your favorite film was Hook. You know, sure. The, just I mean, hypothetically, it was. no, it was who, both who Steve was and I's it? favorite yeah. film. Exactly, <laughs> but old Robin Williams. <laughs> yep. Say that was you loved it. Whatever reason you wanted to experience more Hook. We were Hook. Yes, you, you could play the Hook video games. Maybe there was a Hook novelization. I don't know. But really, like the Hook video games would be like your only way to experience Hook 
other than the movies. But my working theory is once the internet came along and you really liked uh, the Fast and Furious movies, for example. Sure. Okay, you love those. You can go on a chat board and talk about Fast and Furious movies anytime. You can get that Fast and Furious fix in (laughs) ways that are not video game related. And that's kind of what killed off the adaptation craze from our childhood is that people didn't were no longer desperate for more of a media because they could always get some of that media on the internet. I I think that's I think that's very true, and I also think by that by the point that these games kind of died out, it was the market was oversaturated with these really low quality kind of tossed off adaptations that they put out just to kind of coincide with the release of a TV show or a season of, of uh, or a movie or something like that. And, and they, they rush it to market and then it's just like people, everybody buys a day one and it sucks. And I they think it. it also just got harder in general as time has go on to, un- to release just total, total garbage. Like if mm. you play like very early adaptation, I always just go to like the Back to the Future game for NES as sure. like a good example. Oh, so that I is a, that. that is essentially just a completely unplayable garbage game mm-hmm. that sold copies because it had the Back to the Future name and... But once, yeah, like you said, once the internet is out and people are like word spreads of things, it's it's very hard to like design a, vi- a more modern video game for really really cheap. Yeah, and so you have to put some amount of money into it and sell like a meaningful amount of copies, um, which just gets harder if you release a totally toxic product. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny because I regard one of these as a totally toxic product. I would sure. I would agree. Uh, maybe we'll <laughs> see. We'll see. But I, it weirdly like you know we've had Marvel games games forever since as long as there have been video games like I think Spider-Man on the Atari was the first one but the Avengers as a brand wasn't really very strong until uh, right around the time the MCU started being created you know it was it was kind of this passe thing to do super teams you know and the only people really doing super teams was X-Men. When were the Avengers kind of created in the first place as like uh, we don't think that Hulk or Captain America can run a whole comic book by themselves Let's throw out these sort of less popular heroes, right? And, and then as the as same we team. as we got into the eighties and nineties, they wanted to kind of market all these characters individually. You know, that's why there's kind of like a Spider-Man universe, and there's a Hulk universe, and there's a Captain America universe. You know, all these different things. So they didn't come together very often. The very first game that actually used the word Avengers was uh, Captain America and the Avengers from 1991, the side-scrolling beat-em-up. It was an arcade <sighs> game and a pretty decent SNES port. Uh, it's yeah, it's an okay well, beat-em-up. It's... Uh, uh, there was sorry. I thought you were defending the NES game for that, which was really good. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah, okay. no. The the the, the SNES uh, Captain America and the Avengers is pretty solid, and I've played it in the arcades a few times. It's it's a beat 'em up. It's what you expect. It's Hawkeye, Vision, Iron Man, Captain America. They walk around, they shoot stuff. Kind of feels a lot like the X Men game without that cool six player nostalgia. That, exactly, yeah, or the bad voice it. acting or anything like that. So I like, do... af- yeah. I do wonder, like, does the character Hawkeye have, like, pictures on someone at Marvel? Because in 1992, you're making a video game, and you choose Hawkeye as one of the playable characters. And he still had kind of the the swoopy kind of owl helmet thing mm-hmm. going on. Like, he was... It was it was back when characters were still like their origins were like they were circus performers, which oh, is sure. something yeah. that you don't really get anymore because there are no more circuses. You know, <laughs> I, I actually took my uh, children to the very last Barnum and Bailey circuses right before the pandemic. Um, oh wow! 
yeah, yeah, was closing down. I went, I wanted them to have that experience and it was a good experience. Honestly, it was, uh, I, the modern circus was, was a solid entertaining thing, but I guess it's just not, not profitable, I guess. Yeah. I mean, but, did you and, learn to shoot an arrow there or like, <laughs> well, uh, what I did is, uh, I cut the trapeze so that, uh, <laughs> some performers would fall to their death oh, and good their call. young son would, uh, would become a superhero. That, that's, that's a what good I choice. I Always there. a good way to go. Yeah. I think that the circus is just held back by when you, when your two main attractions are animals in captivity or clowns, like <laughs> it's just difficult to escape some bad press. It's like, welcome to my restaurant. Would you like shit or pee? Yeah, yeah. Enjoy. These are your two options of things to eat. Um, very crass example, but uh, uh, so a few more Avengers games. We had a we had a fighting game in 1995 called Avengers Galactic Storm, which I have never heard of. Good subtitle. I was a get, huge yeah. Marvel fan, and I have never heard of that existence of that until this very second. Yeah. I don't think it ever got a home port. It was just in arcades, kind of in that era when people were going to arcades less and less because the PlayStation could do it better. So, yeah, didn't never really landed. And then we don't get another Avengers-titled game until the one we're playing today. Okay. There were a decent number of just like Marvel amalgam games. Like there was a game called War of the Gems for Super Nintendo, right. which was kind of fun. And then there was all those uh, X, like Marvel superheroes versus Street Fighter. Sure. Uh, Exo, Man of War, and Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Weird uh, but, crossover. But where like a lot of the Avengers characters were in there, it was just not labeled as an Avengers game. Exactly. Yeah. They, they, they always kind of shuffle around, but like the things that had the Avengers branding just kind of went away. And then the most recent example we got was just last year, which is that very high-profile kind of Crystal Dynamics game. Uh, it's just called The Avengers, and it's really fucking weird. It's a weird game. It doesn't quite work. It's kind of like a hybrid of, like, a loot shooter and, like, a squad-based third-person something. It's it's very odd. It doesn't quite connect. It has some stuff I like in it, but uh, I just didn't think it really worked. And then, of course, The Avengers are uh, in Fortnite, many of them. Oh, are they now? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah it wouldn't yeah. surprise me. Like, everything valuable soon, soon is in Soon all Fortnite. of co- culture will just be in Fortnite. Like, <laughs> didn't Joe Biden actually have, like, a rally I, I think, in Fortnite think or something so. like that? Yeah, it's crazy. It's insane to me. Like, they should just, for all this uh, controversy that's going on voting restrictions, they should just be like, well, you can only vote in Fortnite. Yeah. From now on, the country <laughs> is run through Fortnite. Yeah, why not? Why not? And then it's just some 12-year-old who's really good at it is, like, president yeah, of Fortnite exactly. or something. <laughs> Uh, there was one other very high-profile game in 2012 that was canceled, and I think that's a good segue to talk about our first game today because uh, they're tied in together in a lot of interesting ways. So that game that we are talking about is Marvel Avengers colon Battle for Earth, released December 4th, colon 2012. Yeah, the colon battle is where yeah. the, the Earth was really uh, won <laughs> yeah, or lost. It was... Uh, it was released December 4th, 2012, developed by Ubisoft Quebec and published by Ubisoft, and it was also released on the Xbox 360. Uh, Ubisoft Quebec, I think the first time we talk about them, but they used to work on uh, expansion packs for Rainbow Six, and then they were put on this weird stuff. Like There was a whole series of DS games called Battle of Giants, Okay. Where like there's a there's like dragons or or dinosaurs or like, like there's a whole bunch maybe, of maybe maybe giants were there giants there weren't and, any giants they're oh. just like large things that okay. you can make fight and they also made the game uh, this is an amazing title my quit smoking coach with Alan Carr <laughs> that's a noteworthy one I wanted to highlight because they went from that 
to doing Assassin's Creed Syndicate, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and Immortals Phoenix Rising, which are all really big games. Do we know who Alan Carr is? Is he like a famous stop smoking coach? He must be, like, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's in the like, stop smoking community, he's like Michael Jordan. They're they're trying to get him uh, okay. with the Looney Tunes for his next game. Space Jam Three: How I Quit, How Bugs Quit Smoking. <laughs> oh, he's a, he's a. I just looked it up. He's a British author. Uh, he's the author of the book Easy Ways to Stop Smoking and Quit Drinking with without willpower oh uh, good yeah which is good because right. i don't have willpower i'm uh, uh, looking for the sequel become successful without willpower <laughs> host a podcast without willpower <laughs> meet new friends without willpower get out of bed in yeah. the morning without, without willpower, willpower. Yeah. uh how do you do it yeah he's, he's got a whole series of books uh alan carr's easy way for women to lose weight Alan Carr's easy way to control alcohol, quit drinking without willpower, quit smoking without willpower. Yeah. Okay. So he's just like the the quitting guru, I guess. He he knows how to stop doing stuff. <laughs> wow. Way to go. You could learn a thing or two from me, I'll yeah. tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just you just go to oh wow, look at all these projects. Like they're yeah. just unfinished. This is great. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So this game so so strange. All right, the 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 history uh, behind this is kind of fascinating and it's secretly one of the weirdest projects that marvel's ever been involved in so uh it's the one and only time ubisoft has ever had this marvel license with the exception of like a monster truck game back in the 90s or something and uh it comes on the heels of this very high profile cancellation so a little bit about that canceled game thq had been working on an avengers game it was going to tell an original story but it was going to coincide with the release of the first avengers movie the, jo- the joss whedon movie that was a huge huge deal the, the huge like, deal i biggest, mean that, that essentially single-handedly like brought avengers as like oh the avengers is like a major film idea oh it's but it's I, yeah I, I think and it's, it's this is the really, direction of movies are going for the next yeah. decade plus yeah but i think it's really important to remember from a 2012 viewpoint no one knew that at all there was mm. tons of debate about oh they're trying to put uh iron man next to a god well iron man was this techno thriller and thor is this magical being so obviously this is not gonna work guys yeah um, the the cinematic universe was such an untried idea at the time that I really think you got to give like these game companies some credit for being like, well, maybe this will work, but maybe it'll be Spider-Man three, you know? Right. So yeah, this, this way it's, it's weird to think like it's, it's weird to remember how big of a swing the first Avengers was. The first Avengers is like the most important movie of like the last 10 years in terms of like everything. Is it, is it even more than 10 years at this point? I don't know. Yeah. It's 2012. In terms of like everything wanting to build into some kind of connected universe. But failing. There's been no really good counterpoint. No one's, no one's captured what Marvel did. They've tried. Yeah, no one's, no one's quite nailed it. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, like, a, it's even, a one and done cinematic concept so far. Yeah. And I mean, I think that the secret. Well, yeah, you can't say one and done because they're still doing them. They're still one, trying. One and yeah. doing. I mean, you know, I should have, damn, I should have been wearing my Dark Universe shirt before this recording <laughs> just because I, I bought a shirt for that just because I'm like, oh, yeah, I have to commemorate this Dark Universe. It's definitely going to happen. <laughs> I, uh, I've seen posts around celebrating like the 10th anniversary of the Dark Universe or something like that. And it's like yeah. all these Dark Universe films that never got made. It's, oh, what might have been. What yeah. might have been. <laughs> we get 10 more terrible, like, Wolfman movies or something. Yeah, so, I mean, but just to yeah. get us yeah, back yeah, on yeah. track here, like, I feel like that, the fact that they were going to make a game based on that movie is probably, like, that game could have been a big hit. 
totally. based on how big the movie ended up being. No, it absolutely could have. And I, I agree with your point, actually. I think in the last 10 years, there was no other, like, epic shifting, like, uh, of, of just the way we make movies and the way we spend money on movies and the way we tie everything together. I mean, Marvel's not just movies. It's television shows now. It's a whole bunch of other... It's all this stuff that synchronizes together in really ingenious and if, ways. And if the movie, if the movie The Avengers had been, like, a bomb if it had been like the justice league movie like that might have just been a total dead end yeah yeah, yeah. they would have had yeah. to bank it all on like rebooting howard the duck which i think <laughs> would have been would pretty have cool taken us there yeah yeah um yeah so a little bit about that canceled game again like yeah it was going to be an original story uh played mostly from a first person perspective and you would be able to switch between all the different members of the avengers like you do in the most recent First person game. Avengers game, thumb down. Yeah, bad, bad idea. I don't, I don't know. Why I don't you like would do it either. That. Like, I mean, what are you going to do with the first person Hulk situation? Like, you're just going to run. You're just going to get motion sick. You're going to get like motion jumping sick. through the air. Yeah, the, the Hulk game for the GameCube was pretty good. Yeah, but it, it was. wasn't first person. Yeah, yeah. No, there <laughs> there have been plenty of good Hulk games, but you want to be able to see all the the destruction, big yeah. muscly green dude smashing mm-hmm. stuff. You know. Yeah. Uh, so this game was being made by THQ and. Uh, the original idea was to kind of base it loosely on Secret Invasion, which is this big storyline that Marvel was doing where the Marvel Universe was infiltrated by these shape-shifting Skrulls, and there are only a few like actual people that are left. It was a pretty fun, very tense kind of John Carpenter's The Thing-style uh, way to approach the I mean, universe. It's a fun idea because <laughs> I feel like a lot of comic book writing is built upon the premise of how can we get these heroes to fight each other? Right. Because people are exactly. arguing like who's going to win between Captain America and Iron Man, and we're like, well, we can't just have them punch each other for no reason. So what if one was actually an alien who had Captain America's powers or whatever? Exactly. And then you get all the, satisfi- all the satisfaction with none of the guilt. You yeah, know? It's exactly. like, yeah, oh, no, it's totally fine. I can just pummel the shit out of Hawkeye. <laughs> um, and one of the features that they were going to build, this game was being developed for the uh, uh, PS3 and the 360. And one of the features they were going to build into the 360 version was something called uh, Avengers Training Academy, which was going to be kind of a little multiplayer, like a one-on-one fighting game that used Kinect controls. Uh, and that was just kind of like a little fun little addition in, in aside from the main single player mode. Okay. So by 2011, THQ was running out of money. They had bet big on two original IPs. One of them was a game called Homefront, which don't remember. I think I heard of that. And the other was their uh, a Draw You franchise, which had like an expensive peripheral where you could kind of draw items onto it and like transfer it to your Wii U or like. Uh, not even, it wasn't even Wii U. It was like Draw U, but it was only for the Wii and the DS, I think. Oh, so it was a, I mean, that essentially sounds like the Wii because you wouldn't it's need what it. the gamepad. You wouldn't would be. need an attachment to have that for the Wii U. Exactly. It's, yeah. Yeah. It it's kind weird of weird that that never got a port to the Wii U. It's very right. strange, but I think the franchise was kind of dead by before the Wii U came out. Uh, so THQ had to shut down the Australian development studio that was working on their Avengers game, and the title was just kind of canceled. And then Ubisoft came in and bought the rights of the bought the rest of the Marvel contract off of THQ. They kind of salvaged the game that they had and just used the Avengers Training Academy stuff as like a single connect game. Like that was just going to be the whole game now. I don't think that's an, an intrinsically bad idea because I think it is very odd to have a fully featured game with a connect mode in it. Like to me, yeah. when you're playing a connect game, you're like you you know you you push push aside all the crap on your floor and you stand up and you take off your shirt sure um, sure <laughs> so that's how i do it that's how you do it yeah um, but you're like it's sort of a mental commitment and so to just have it as this throwaway mode in a game that is mostly a different game seems right. weird 
Yeah, so. yeah, it's a little odd. And, and like having it as a standalone game makes more sense. I don't know, and maybe people who've played the Connect more than I have would could tell me. I don't know that a Connect fighting game would ever really work. Oh, it would work fine. It would totally know. work fine because it just feels like you're flailing, right? Like after a while, yeah. But just, every Connect know, game basically it, feels like you're flailing. If sure. we boxing taught us anything, it's that motion control fighting is the bomb. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I can see the I, we, Wii boxing. I honestly yeah. didn't know for the the speed at which you portrayed that sentence. I did not know what your last word in it was going to be, and it could have gone either direction. Yeah, so. I could have believed it either way. But yeah, no, I I, I can see that point. You know, because I'm totally with you, Steve. Like it is very much flailing but i think you're right jr like it is still a lot of fun to just punch and flail <laughs> but at, at the same time like we boxing is pretty simple and this game is very busy and so all the busyness just kind of adds to the chaos of it uh yeah okay a little bit about this game so it is it's a fighting game like we said like kind of a behind the back fighting game in a weird sure. way like it, it's um it, it reminded me of kind of one of the modes in Pokémon Tournament, you know, like you can switch shift to that perspective where it's behind you and you can do ranged attacks. And that's kind of just what the whole game is. So if you're playing on the Wii gamepad, then you're just tapping. You're using your stylus to either just tap on the punch button or the kick button, or you can draw your special attacks. So when did as a this pattern. game come out on Connect? Do you have that information? Uh, I believe it? it was the same time. It, oh, it, it came out at the same time. Yeah, I think it was a month or two before this one, but it wasn't that big of a gap. Oh, yeah. okay. Because so November for the Xbox 360s. Yeah, so that's a month uh, ahead. December for the Wii U. Oh, see, okay. that really surprises me because what I had assumed based on this game is that it came out for the Kinect like three years and then they're like, oh yeah, I guess we could make this work on Wii U. Like, why not? Yeah. Because this game so is so designed for motion controls. Yeah, it really is. Um, but it's like, as the, the Wii U controls just feel very weird as well, a game. The Wii U controls, to me, felt ridiculously easy it's literally can you draw a circle yeah time to draw a circle <laughs> dora wants you to draw a lightning bolt you did Yay, you captain america's bleeding <laughs> so i i actually uh recorded my experience playing this game can i share that with you real quick sure yeah hmm never saw this one before What's going on here? Am I destroying these triangles or trying to assemble them? <laughs> What's this button do? Oh, now my ship is pooping more triangles. <laughs> oh no, I want a free game. So that was my experience playing this game. I kept winning, and I kept being very disappointed that I didn't die. I defeated Thor and Scarlet Witch with Hawkeye. And when that happens, I mean, where do you go from there? Yeah, that's pretty I mean, low. Literally, all I was doing was just circle, zigzag, uh, you. And, and I just kept winning and winning and winning. Now, I will give this game some credit. The opening cinematic was amazing to me for a Wii U game. I, I looked at that yeah. opening scene and I was like, wow, this is an epic storyline. I've read Marvel comics all my life. We got the scrolls. We got some secret invasion. We've got all these heroes fighting these really obscure villains. 
this is going to be awesome. And then all of that just melted away like tears in the rain. It was gone. The moment I started actually playing a game, which is kind of the point of games. So I really deeply dislike how simple this game is because it's too simple to be fun. I really don't know what the market is for this on the Wii U because... I can see if this is connect and I'm flailing about, there's some challenge on it. Mm. But I've been able to draw a triangle since I was three. I have the report <laughs> card to prove that. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, let's take let's take a little step back here because like yeah. this game is pretty weird and hard to explain. Like you said, it's a one-on-one fighting game, but you have no direct control over your character. Not like really. the, the, the gamepad doesn't like the joystick doesn't do anything yeah you're not you're not in control of like think of mortal Kombat where you can move forward and back and you can jump yeah, or like streets of rage or like art of fighting or like any other game pretty ever. much any game where you move it, think yeah, of one it kind of those of yeah reminded me of an mmo uh like where oh, you're selecting which attack for your character to do and then your character does it more so than performing a fighting move to do that move. That's what it yeah, most that's, reminded me of. That's a good analogy. But even then, that's just an analogy. It's not quite like that either. You know? Yeah. It's it, it very it's much a weird feels like game, a, you know? It's really strange. It's really, really strange. It's like a DS game that is trying to put more in there give you more abilities without actually having enough buttons to do that yeah because you have each character has three sort of special abilities where you click on them and then you draw some kind of shape yeah and it's always the same shape per ability i think so like well no it's slightly different slightly different like there was you know i i I can appreciate this very minor amount of attention to detail they put in but if you need to like pull up if you're captain american you need to pull up your shield you'll draw a circle like a like a shield shape If you're doing a Wolverine attack, it's kind of a jagged like right. Claw but I mean thing, that Captain America's still... like shield pull is always a circle. Oh, right. like so yeah. when you're playing as the same character, they only have three different shapes that you have to draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's a cup. Then you can also just tap the screen to punch, or there's another like where you just sort of run at the opponent and yeah, it's like know. a it's like a kick that slowly recharges because it launches your opponent into the air. It should also be noted that you play as two characters, but that it, dynamic isn't. This game is Super very necessary. much like Marvel versus Capcom, like all the flash of those games. Like this graphically, this game looks a lot like Marvel versus Capcom three. No, this game doesn't which, look which bad. is good, which is a no, good thing. It's good like graphics, um, but it's like it has all that flash of like sparks flying and your ship is pooping triangles. Yeah, and like you're cooking enemies up into the air, and then there's an announcer who's always like launcher combo breaker, but you have no idea what any of these things mean. Like, there's yeah. no, there doesn't seem to be any clear strategy. If you're playing so, it on the gamepad, you're just kind of looking at the shapes you're drawing yeah. and not even really getting to enjoy all the fighting game chaos, you know? Now, you say looking at the gamepad. I couldn't get it to play on my television during the action that was, part. That was another issue we ran into. Okay, we figured this out. In order to get it to play on your television, you need to activate a Wii remote, point it at the screen, and select camera view. But we were wondering, like, is oh, there no way? Oh, of course! Way- <laughs> How intuitive! Right. I should have thought of that. Well, we were thinking, like, we we really tried. Like, there was no other way 
to, to access it unless you had a Wiimote connected. So yeah, it does seem like unless you have a, if you're trying to play this game by yourself with no Wiimote connected, you cannot play it on the TV. Right. Which is crazy. And especially like a picture shows up on the TV, but it's just an option mode. That's and all you can I, see. It's so I weird. I tried every combination I could on the Wii U pad to try to select that thing on the television and uh geez okay yeah <laughs> lovely yeah, yeah. I, no you game, i'm glad you brought I that up more it was I, that I, was so weird it was really strange and i didn't notice it until we just sat down to play before recording because i'd been playing it just on the gamepad because i quickly clocked this as a game that oh i don't really need to listen to this well you know? it's true like if you're the shapes only show up on the gamepad so like you couldn't really play this game and look at the TV. Right. You have to be looking at the gamepad. Yeah, yeah. And the only reason you'd have to look at the TV would be if there's someone else there or if you're playing it with a Wiimote. Because that's yeah. another thing we're talking about. You can play this game with a Wiimote. Even though, which is clear that like that is how the game was designed. Sure. Even though that's weird because you assume it should be designed for the gamepad. Right. So but, I, I went into this game completely blind, never heard of it, didn't know a thing about it. And once I started playing it, I would have bet you so much money that this was an iPhone game that got ported yeah, to that's, the Wii U because I was thinking, that's okay, dead on. this is a mindless iPhone game. You play uh, it for one minute while you're waiting in line, and then you move on with your day. That, you swipe I, left on Scarlet Witch or swipe right on Black Widow. That's that's exactly, exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly it. They, they made, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. It's like kind of a, there there was a handheld injustice that kind of played similar to this where it's it's very bare bones it's just based on like kind of swiping and tap control and uh yeah you just play it while you're waiting in line and, exactly and this right gets into expectations i think because if this was a iphone game mm. i'd be fine with it i wouldn't love it but i could have seen myself in 2012 uh wasting some time at the bank or wherever just like okay all right i'm gonna play a little while get bored of it move on but by having it be on a home console i bring such different expectations to the table on a personal level sure things that i would accept on my phone in 2012, I would never in a million years accept on my console in 2012. Well, because if you're playing something on the console, that's like the conscious choice of how you're spending your time. Yeah. Whereas something on your phone is just an incidental activity while you're doing something else. Exactly. Right. It's, it's just the yeah. evolution of twiddling your thumbs in yeah, a sense, exactly. you know? I mean, so this game, it, it looks like it has a lot of options from like a glance, but then you realize it's like, it's like okay, campaign, arcade versus training and they're all the same it just matters with like what other are other people playing with you or are you seeing little cutscenes in between fights kind of showing images from the comic strip and uh and you can play sparse amounts of story yeah you can play co-op where um one player fights is you know one of the characters on the team but then while that character player is fighting the other person doesn't have anything to do yeah then you switch it's the only the other person you can play a versus mode which to me, the only time I had something approaching fun playing this is when we were playing versus both with the Wiimotes. Yeah. Because when we were initially playing, you had the gamepad and I had the Wiimote. And the gamepad is very precise because you're just drawing shapes. And the Wiimote is not very responsive. No. But at least when we were both using it, it felt like we were unresponsive together. Yeah. <laughs> it was... and, and regardless, like it... it... No, no matter how you're playing it, it just doesn't feel like you're super in control of anything that's happening. You right. know, you're you're... 
you're suggesting things for them to do and maybe they'll do it. Uh, but that's, yeah, it's kind of like that yeah. football manager mode in the FIFA game we played, but it's like, if you expanded that into uh, Scarlet Witch instead of Manchester United. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, so this came with DLC and I cannot imagine who is the target audience for this DLC. I guess if you have like some favorite character where it's just I must play as uh, Spider-Man in the 2099 costume, then I must buy this DLC. But I just I don't see who the market for the DLC was for this game. I mean, I will say like all the DLC is just like it looks like it's just visual costumes, but like the visual flash of this game is the only thing that's very appealing about it. Yeah. Like, this game looks kind of cool. If you, Steve, if you had been playing this game when I walked in, I'd be like, oh, this game looks neat. Like, this game looks fun. All this crazy junk's happening. Yeah. But as soon as you start playing it, you're like, oh, never mind. Yeah, it's, yeah, this isn't... It's, this, all, it's yeah. all a trick. Yeah, yeah. Every, everything is great about this game other than the game. Yeah, kind of, kind of. <laughs> it, it's, it's really... It's just such a strange game. It's really weird for Marvel to have their name attached to it. It's really weird that this was Ubisoft's one and only ad bat with this franchise. And like, I don't think it's any coincidence that none of us had heard of this game prior to recording this. Yeah. Because I think they buried it. There, I think they, there's a certain yeah. like excuse that Connect or like early Wii games got of just like, oh, this is experimenting with the tech. Yeah. Or this is just kind of messing around with something. Where I don't to me like you kind of know what you're getting into when you play a game that's marketed for Connect. Yeah. Whereas when it's there's no real indication that it's that kind of game when you buy it for the Wii U because every Wii U game has some kind of weird gimmick. Yeah. Because yeah. it's on the Wii U. It's it's a weird <laughs> gimmick. The system. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And so it just totally took me by surprise by really how little game is actually here when you break it down and but how much flash there is to try and cover that fact up. Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. But it may have a place because there was zero DLC for the Wii. Is that correct? Did Wii games ever offer DLC? I'm trying to remember. Well, there was Rock Band and yeah. Guitar Hero for the Wii oh, that had, you okay. could buy DLC yeah. for that. All right. Uh, well, yeah, I was trying to remember, like, yeah, there were, there were downloadable games that you could get off of like, I remember Wii the downloadable like that, games yeah. on WiiWare. I just don't remember any DLC for the Wii, but I could be mistaken. But this game apparently was the first game uh, to have DLC on the Wii U. I believe it. I believe it. Uh, I mean, <laughs> what, what were... a halcyon place to be. Because yeah. this, this didn't make the launch game cut off, but it was within like three weeks of the launch of the okay. Wii U, where oh, like okay. 90% yeah. of the games on the system seemingly came out. Uh, all right, let's move on to our next game here. Uh, Lego Marvel Super Heroes. This was released October 22nd, 2013. Developed by Traveler's Tales, published by Warner Brothers. Also released on PS3, PS4, Xbox One, 360, OS X, iOS, Windows, Android, DS, 3DS, and Vita. So, so this it's is not, available. Okay, it's available. It's but around. it's not an Avengers game. Not an Avengers okay. game technically, but yeah. I also couldn't think of a better what, place. What, you didn't to want to put this. a whole episode on that game we just played? <laughs> the, 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 the three minute swiping simulation? Apparently, we could have. We did yeah. pretty well getting <laughs> okay. through that so far. But uh, so, yeah, okay. A little bit of uh, the state of Lego. We've talked about Lego once in this show so far with uh, uh, Jurassic World. But in 2012, the Lego series saw one of its biggest hits, which was Lego City Undercover, uh, which is a show we will, or a game we will cover on the show. 
And it managed to find an audience even though it didn't have like a high-profile license attached. It didn't have a Harry Potter or a Batman or anything attached to it. And it it succeeded because they had used this open-world map area, and that kind of became adapted by the licensed games, and it pretty much became the standard for this franchise. Uh, and this was one of the first licensed games to adapt that formula. They used this huge map of New York as kind of this hub overworld. And uh, I'll, I'll just kind of spoil that this is my favorite Lego game. I played all the Lego games, or most of them at least. I uh, I greatly enjoy them. They're a really good kind of zen uh, tuning out and getting some podcasts listened to while you occupy. Well, it's a, it's a thumb-twiddling simulator. <laughs> uh, and this has been my favorite one. I think this one has the right blend of kind of a lot of stuff to do. It's got this really fun open world that you can explore. It's got a huge amount of variety in the characters and the way they control. And uh, it, it's got a little bit of an original story, which uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that in the second game. But like that's that's more of an appeal to me than just kind of using voice clips. Yeah, I think that this as a license works really well for Lego because like one thing that I didn't care much for in Lego Jurassic Park is like there were all these different characters, but you're like, I don't care whether I play as like generic scientist one right. or like park manager three because they all basically have the same abilities. Like it changes what they can interact with. Yeah. But their actually gameplay doesn't change at all. Whereas- that was that was one of the biggest problems with I think like um the Lego Indiana Jones yeah. is like the biggest offender of that because Indiana Jones doesn't really have a deep bench of characters. There's maybe like a dozen you can squeeze out of that. So it was a lot of thug one, thug two, <laughs> thug three. Yeah, yeah. And whereas like this works really well because it's each character only like, you know, these games are simple. So each character only has about two or three moves. Yeah. But two or three moves for Spider-Man is going to be like very different than the two or three moves for Iron Man. Exactly. And so like all the characters feel different. Like you start as Hulk and Iron Man in the first level and Iron Man can fly around and shoot laser beams. Yeah. And Hulk, you know, Hulk smash. Hulk smash. Hulk smash as he does. Yeah. This is. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. There are so many characters to play. 155 characters. Wow. You can play in uh, Lego Marvel superheroes. Um, and that's not including the DLC. So for someone like me, a Marvel fan, you know, I love all these characters. I have a connection to almost all of them. To be able to see uh, obscure picks, you know, like you would never expect in 2012 before Guardians of the Galaxy to see Rocket Raccoon in a game. Yeah, uh, but you know the people who made this are obviously deep, deep Marvel fans, and they did a really amazing job of bringing the Marvel New York City to life. You know, yeah, the Marvel New York City is its own environment, and they really did a great job of bringing that to a video game in a way I don't think has really been done as well before or since spider-man i would PS4? say yeah new new spider-man does that better i think but but, but i think that this does it very spider-man's well. new york mm, it, sure. I, I don't really see that as i it's, it's a very localized new york it's a great game i love it i'll sing it to the praises but it's not really marvel's new york it's just spidey's new york yeah you know there's a couple of references here and there but this is the game where you see you know, uh, Iron Man's uh, New York and Spider-Man's New York. You know, yeah. they're both existing in this game. Yeah, and I mean, like we said, this isn't a strict Avengers title, but it is bringing together all the members of the Avengers. And and yeah, I agree. But I think the joy 
of this game is unlocking like characters and vehicles that are really obscure. You can unlock the spider buggy in this <laughs> and drive around in it. That's great. I love it. You can play as Devil Dinosaur. You know, that's I, I love that. I love that they are putting that much thought into it. And this one does tell an original story as well. It's all pretty boilerplate kind of superhero stuff. And all the dialogue and the voice acting is kind of pitched at like Silver Age. Uh, lots of heavy puns, lots of, uh, oh, I'll get you, Super Zeros, things like I, that. I, I like that a lot. To me, yeah. that is what I want from a lot of my superhero games is I want bright colors. I want stupid puns. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's none of the voice actors are in this game. And they don't. Or, sorry, let me good. rephrase. Yes, yeah. I think that the people who are doing the voices in this game match the game well. Yeah. Like, the guy who doesn't really sound like Tom Holland who's doing Spider-Man, but, like, he kind of sounds like you would expect Lego Spider-Man to sound. Oh, totally. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, it's a wise call on that uh, decision on their part because I think a lot of problem people had with the latest Avengers game was it was, like dollar store Chris Evans as Captain America, you know, where they were obviously trying to copy the MCU without uh, doing it instead of calling forth the 40-year history Marvel had that they could call from. They were like, oh, we're just going to make this not quite look like the MCU so the, the very expensive actors don't sue us. And their likenesses were just, just, trying to be too close to the MCU instead of just trying to be Captain America, Thor, which we've seen in many other medians beside the MCU. Yeah, they hired Chris Evings, Chris with a K, you know, like they just, yeah, exactly. They just get someone very similar. It's like, no, no one's going to be exactly happy with this. Yeah. There, there is a lovely little touch in this game, though. Uh, you get a trophy called Don't I Know You? Uh, where if you have oh, uh, yeah. Captain American, the Human Torch in co-op mode, because of yeah. course they were played by the same actor. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. nice little touch there. Uh, yeah. Tons of touches like that. It's it's yeah. uh, obviously a labor of love. It's fun that um, the Fantastic Four is in this game and plays like a pretty big role. Yeah, since they have been through various legal proceedings, <laughs> essentially removed from the MCU. And so it's cool, like, to actually be able to have a team-up of Captain America and the Human Torch. And, like, Doctor Doom seems like he's your main antagonist here. Yeah, pretty much, he's, yeah. he's fun. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, they, they have a lot of fun with Mr. Fantastic's powers, too, because there are these context-sensitive pads that you have to turn him into a tool of some kind mm-hmm. to, to solve a problem. And it's really horrifying seeing him turn into a gigantic screwdriver with a human <laughs> being's face for a blade, like... There's some so that, horrifying stuff there, and I appreciate it. That was a big change for the Lego games, though. Uh, for Lego games, the Lego characters had to remain looking like Lego blocks, and the developer of this game had to go to Lego and say, look, Mr. Fantastic's whole spiel is that he stretches and moves, so can he not look like a Lego bro- block when he does his special powers? And uh, that was the first time for any Lego game that they had allowed a Lego character to not look like Legos. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's great. I, and I like that they gave them that freedom to do that, you know, because I, when you think about that, that's a guy with just an incredibly weird set of powers. Like that's <laughs> body horror at its purest essence, sure. you know, and kind of leaning into it in this goofy way is pretty fun. It, um, so like with all that said, like I do enjoy the aesthetic here a lot and like this game's pretty playable. I found the controls while using a Wiimote to be very confusing and not yeah. not intuitive. Like it felt pretty natural on the gamepad. 
somehow it just felt a little odd. It was also, I felt, a surprising amount of confusion. I don't know, I don't know what's with me today, but like somehow I couldn't figure these games out. I know that these games are like pitched for like eight year olds, and I was like, wait, what am I supposed to do, Steve? What what's the mechanic? I, like I every am so second. glad you said that. Yeah. Because a couple of times I was like Am I dumber than an eight-year-old? <laughs> is is Jeff, out, Jeff Foxworthy going to show up and ask me if I'm smarter than a fifth grader? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, sometimes, I don't know. it is a puzzly game. There are, there, from the very beginning, it's like, uh, Captain America, use your shield to put out the fire so you can get the thing. And it's, it's not always just like, move right, jump on the Goomba. You know, that yeah. level of gameplay I can do intuitively. But sometimes in a, even in a simple child uh, demographic game like this, when it's all open world and I'm trying to solve the puzzle, I'm just like, I don't really know what to do right now. And the puzzles, like, don't really make that much sense. Like, the first puzzle you encounter, you play as Iron Man and Hulk, and there's, like, this semi in your way. Mm. And you have to somehow get past the semi, totally ignoring the fact that Iron Man can fly and the Hulk can jump <laughs> high into the air. But they're like, nope, you can't get past the semi. So you have to well, sort of just... Dis- that's just... Uh... <laughs> you okay, JR? i here. Yeah. <laughs> the word for when you learn how to play a video game. The uh, oh, learning, learning curve? Tutorial? Tutor- that's just the Tutorial. And okay. That's the sure. sole purpose of that scene. It's just a tutorial section of the game. But like, even so, like to solve it, you have to sort of shoot shoot out the middle of the semi and then use the bricks that emerge to build a ladder to climb uh, over. Yeah. It. Which yeah. I, that that's a problem that I not that I have with the Lego games in general is because most of the puzzles are built upon like put these blocks together and your character will build something. Right. There's no logic to how to solve it. Like you, you're, yeah. you're not, cause you don't know what they're going to build. And it's, yeah, I don't know. There were a couple elements there that were a little weird and more complicated than they should be. But well, I, and this game in particular throws a lot of powers at you. It's kind of one of the coolest things about the game, but it's also something that makes it a little frustrating is that every character plays dramatically different. Like Spider-Man feels like Spider-Man. Hulk feels like Hulk. Like it, it's, and they all have their own little secret subset of powers and like certain characters can do certain things and others can't. It depends on the team that you have. And, you know, so there's a lot of diversity to the gameplay here and it can be a little overwhelming. Uh, I mean, for me, I've played this game before, so like sure. it's not all that like it's not all that hard. I to also think out, there's but. a weird aspect that I, that I always have trouble with when you play a game two player for the first time that you're playing the game. Mm. I always get confused because it's like the other person kind of knows what's going on and you're trying to figure it out, Mm. but you don't feel comfortable going at your own pace Sure, because you're like, Oh, I got to keep up with this guy who actually knows what's going on. It was like in, uh, the only, the only dark souls game that I've beaten is the original demon souls. And like, you would just like, I'm like, Oh, I should try this feature of someone dropping into my world. Yeah. And like, they would drop in and like, know right where all the enemies were and where to go. And I'm like, I don't, I haven't learned how to play this game at all because I'm just following this person around. Right. It's, yeah. I don't know. That always struck me as a very weird part of those games that I did not like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's that's kind of similar. It's kind of a similar vibe to here. But, like, it, I don't know. I, I I do appreciate that there's, like, drop-in, drop-out co-op at mm-hmm. any time. Uh, the Wii U makes pretty good use of the gamepad as a second screen. I think it's kind of a natural extension. But yep. I don't... Th- I can't remember if Jurassic World did that. We were trying to decide... If, uh, I, do, I, do, I think it probably 
must have, but I don't think because you said it Jurassic that way. World came out after this game. Jurassic World came out after so it'd be, this. Yeah, yeah, very weird if that was not a feature. Yeah, yeah, it'd be very strange, but I'm I'm not entirely sure. We can go back and check on that if we want. But uh, either way, it is worth noting this is the best-selling Lego game. This is the best-selling Lego video game ever, and so it's one of the only ones that has direct sequels. You know, this okay. one and the Lego Batman games have direct sequels to them. I mean, that makes sense. Like, yeah. it's based on the most popular property. Oh, like, absolutely. Not to say Jurassic World is not very popular, but it's no Marvel Marvel Universe. Exactly, exactly. And I, I want to kind of transition to our last game here because... Uh, they're pretty similar, uh, which is something we need to kind of discuss a little bit. That's Lego Marvel's The Avengers, released January 26, 2016, also developed by Traveler's Tales, also published by Warner Brothers, also released on all those same platforms I said before. Just <laughs> everything. Throw yes. something, you hit you, you hit your fridge, it's probably on your fridge. <laughs> um, yeah, so like I said, the previous game told an original story set within the Marvel Universe, but this one is specifically based on the MCU and on the Avengers films. Uh, and so we are getting a little bit more of a direct references to things that people will immediately recognize, but we are losing the original storytelling and we're replacing the original voice acting with very canned samples from the movies. With the background music. You with know, the background music, I, it yeah. It really would have been nice if they could have just isolated the actors' uh, dialogue because... They've got to have that somewhere at Marvel, but instead they're just using like uh, someone just got a DVD rip of Age of Ultron and exactly. it was just like, just like pulling out of, the clips with audacity. Kind of, yeah, it's yeah. That's what it that sounds far. like. It's not far away from that, and I found it to be pretty distracting. And yeah. uh, it definitely would have been not that much more work to make a big improvement, in my opinion. And it's just like very lame in general. Like I. I to me, like it's much less important that you actually have Robert Downey Jr. doing the voice than him actually saying something interesting. Yeah, but yeah. because like I don't like most of the dialogue is like comes up and he's like, "Oh, we blew our chance for a sneak attack," and you're just like, "That's not that's not an interesting comment." Like, and we're not first, getting context from the rest of the scene. It's a either. very yeah, like yeah. N64 like Gex comment thing yeah. of like something triggers <laughs> something about and George just, Michael's pants. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. He just says the same things over and over at this scripted time. Whereas in the first game, uh, Lego Marvel game, it was like these characters were having conversations that all felt like they fit together instead of clearly being like snipped and pulled to make them fit together. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's also kind of a big shift in tone because like all of these games are goofy and like these ones are going to be goofy too. But like when you are telling your own story, you can kind of build the goofiness from the ground up and right. then just kind of go with it. You know and all goofiness in this game is just kind of just more like parody, uh, you know, where they have something happen in, in the Marvel movie that we all have seen, and then they try to add a humorous element that would fit the dialogue going line, which is fine. There's a couple of chuckles there, but I definitely think that uh, Lego Marvel... <laughs> you had to look, you had to look I, up the title. Yeah. I, <laughs> Lego Marvel Which, Superheroes is a lot funnier than Lego Marvel <laughs> Avengers. Again, these are titles you can shift around the words in the title yeah. and it would still make the same thing. And, like and Avengers Marvel Lego. Because this game is based on the movie. Like, I've never seen Age of Ultron. Um, but, like, the first scene here takes place, like, in one of the scenes from Age of Ultron where you're, like, Hawkeye and Black Widow around some snowfield. And without that context this scene in the game doesn't make any sense and it's not well, enjoyable. It was like the same thing 
that I, the problem I had with Jurassic World is it felt like it was jumping from scene to scene without the connecting tissue because it assumed that I had seen the movie. Right. Whereas the first of these Lego games makes sense on its own because, like, I know the characters and this is a... I know Dr. Doom is the bad guy because his name is Dr. Doom. Sure. Like, you don't go to med school <laughs> named Victor Von Doom. Uh, I'm a pediatrician. Why yeah. are people always shooting at me? Um, and so, but, like, that... Yeah, go ahead. It is an adaptation. You know, I think you've yeah. got to give them some sort of slack because, you know, if you play uh, Back to the Future on NES, you're sure. not like, what? how is this Marty character back in the 1950s? It was not explained to me in this 8-bit game, you know. That's true. This, well, this game yeah, but is that's... assuming that you've seen the movies because I think that's its target audience. It's, it's like I was talking about earlier, people who had a lot of love for the MCU – wanted to experience it in video game format, and this is pretty much what they got. Not a whole hell of a lot of uh, game adaptions for the MCU. Uh, I think this might have been the last one. I think so. Well, there was a Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2 uh, that came out after this. But that's not the MCU. That's not MCU. Oh, yeah, 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 that's true. Uh, I think it's just... In terms of adaptations of the MCU itself as opposed to the Marvel itself... I think this may be the last adaptation game. I think so. I think it is. I think it's just worth, like, yeah, it was not necessarily a criticism of my lack of knowledge of one of the more minor films in the series. Sure. But it was just, like, that was confusing to me because we played these games together. Yeah. I didn't realize that this one was actually an adaptation of something, whereas the first one is just the characters that we know and love in their own story. Yeah. And to me, I'm always going to prefer sort of a reuse and a retelling of the characters in video game form compared to just like re- reliving the scenes from the movie. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I think uh, and from a gameplay standpoint, this is functionally an identical game to Marvel superheroes. So really it's like your your mileage may vary depending on which flavor of Marvel you would prefer. This is to play. much like the first level, yeah, like I said, is a snowfield, so it's very gray. Yeah. The Marvel music for it has like the Avengers theme for how good it is, it's not like fun and bouncy. It, yeah. It's sort of like epic. Stoic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. epic yeah. and stoic. Um and so like immediately this game to me does not feel as fun. Yeah. And frankly, I had a very hellish time on this first level. I don't know what the what was going on. But like I couldn't get any grip grip on who I was or what I was supposed to do. I finally, when I was playing by myself a little bit, I was Thor and just got trapped in a fire pit and kept rebuilding As he often myself. Does. Yeah. yeah, in a fire pit. You know, Thor's one weakness: hot Lego fire. <laughs> um, and I don't know. It was just something about it was very unintuitive. Like the first game, which sort of for all the confusion of like different characters' abilities, they would give you little tooltips at the bottom of like press X to use spider sense. Yeah. And um, here you get none of that. And it's very unclear. Like there's a section where you play as Iron Man and you have to kind of like use your heat arm to dissolve these like girders that are holding this gate up. And it just gives you no indication that that is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And I don't know. It just like I found this to be a very unpleasant play experience. And I don't really know why, but it just didn't click for me. Yeah, which is fair. And I think the the first level here is kind of slow to start. And I feel bad that you didn't really get to play around in the overworld stuff because that's really where these games get fun. Yeah. 
like being Iron Man flying over this New York City, like they, they do this cool feature where like if you fly for a little bit, he'll get a little sonic boost and then you'll be going super fast. You oh, know, so you cool. you can feel that like build up, you know, and every time you need to start a level, you start in the helicarrier and have to skydive down whether your character can fly or not. You just have to jump off the helicopter helicarrier and land where you land. That's cool. Uh and that's the fun stuff. And there are all these little subquests and missions kind of scattered all over this huge map. So there's always stuff to do, always stuff to discover. You can find new characters, find gold bricks, things like that. You know, and most Lego games have like little incremental improvements from one chapter to the next. And I think this is one of the only ones where it feels like just a big lateral move. Like there's no real improvement over what superheroes did. It's just kind of copying that framework again. The biggest addition is we have more characters. We oh, there's, have two, okay, there's 200 characters wow. off the bat, which that's is crazy. crazy. Yeah, that's super crazy. And they're really digging deep. Like, you can play as Fin Fang Foom in one level. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> you mean the underpants dragon? The underpants yeah. dragon, exactly. <laughs> and, like, there are uh, uh, seven different hub worlds in this game. So wow. it's not just New York. You get large areas in, like, South Africa and Sokovia and, and different places from the movies that you can explore. So there's like kind of more to do, but it is still pretty much the same experience again. Like, JR, would you say that's accurate? Did that feel I would right say that's absolutely accurate. You know, there's been 180 Lego games. That's With crazy. that many Lego games, they're going to start to blend together, especially if you've got such similar properties and such similar uh, ideas. But I would say that if you're only wanting to play one of these games definitely go with lego marvel <laughs> superheroes i have to say it like that otherwise it becomes a word salad in my mind yeah which is like yeah they're, they're all terrible titles basically if you just want to look for anything that says avengers or lego then you're probably fine it's going to be about the same experience either way uh, and Lego Marvel event, Superheroes 2, which isn't on the Wii U, but that's a perfectly serviceable game, too. It's, it's again, kind of the same thing. Um, but th that's just sort of what you come to expect with the Lego games. The, there's, uh, there's some joy in the repetition of it to a certain degree. <laughs> um, well, do we have anything else to say about any of these Marvel games before we move on to the next part of our show? Uh, just that I really wish Marvel, and I know the head of Marvel is listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> he is. He's in the room, in fact. <laughs> would just make like a open world Marvel game where it's like Elder Scrolls-ish, Fallout-ish. You can just create your own Marvel character and mm. be surrounded by other Marvel characters and go on adventures. You know, just just give me that, Marvel. That's what I want. See, that'd be great. You could even focus it up. Like, I'd really like, uh, this is a deep pull, and I don't think anybody would really want it after the TV show, but I would want an Inhumans game. I think you can do this formula really well where you are playing just as a new Inhuman who has to learn their powers and you exist in this other world. Like, I think you can make a really good Inhumans game by following that kind of format. And then in that works, you expand it into the rest of the of the universe. But uh, yeah, yeah, you're a mutant who wakes up, and uh, you're getting uh, indoctrinated to Charles Xavier's school, and you've totally. got to learn your powers. Give me that Marvel. first person X Men game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That would work great. That would work. Great. Yeah. So, I, I yeah, I, it's a shame they don't really follow up on the franchise more often because I think it's obviously very like gametic. It's all it's ready for it you know uh so it's it's just kind of an odd choice but hmm. these are the last ones we get um so yeah i think we'll move on to our rankings now each week we are ranking the games we have just played as they compare to the other games on the wii u so far mm -hmm. 
Woody, where are you going with yours? Sure. Uh, well, that first game we played, uh, Marvel Superheroes Battle for Endor. I think it's, was... Earth, it's Earth <laughs> Battle Marvel Avengers of the... That's right. That's, that's um, the one. That game was terrible. It, <laughs> but I don't think it was as terrible as Epic Mickey 2. No. So I'm putting it... Like, it kind of did what it was supposed to. Like, it didn't feel broken. It just felt incredibly unambitious and lame. It's just frothy, um, yeah. I'm putting it under the Walking Dead survival instinct at number 20. Um, I liked... Lego Superheroes was neat. I still kind of liked it less than the Scribblenauts game because, mm. like, those just have a weird idea that I thought was appealing. Yeah. So I'm putting it right above below Scribblenauts and right above Lego Jurassic World. And I'll take your word that uh, the second uh, Avengers one gets better, and I'll put that right under it. Yeah. Uh, but, boy, that first level in the snowfield really <laughs> left a bad taste in my mouth. Kind of drags a little bit yeah. of the energy out of it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm landing similarly in my order. Uh yeah, again, it's uh, Avengers Battle for Earth is a very weird case where it's like this is a bad game. I don't enjoy it, but it's it's not it's not doing anything wrong necessarily. It's just, like its, it's whole just, premise is wrong. It just doesn't work. Like yeah. the idea was bad. It from tried the and failed. It tried and failed, and it, it does. It also didn't try very hard. It does some things right, and it's like it's one. Of, yeah, I, I think if this were a mobile phone game, I think you'd get the exact amount of uh, pleasure out of it that you should. And so to that degree, I It probably am... is a mobile phone game, essentially, that has made millions and millions of dollars. Probably, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, it's probably it's like probably this It's probably one bo- of those notifications you get on Facebook where you're like, oh, your see? friend is like, hey, join my Battle for Earth team. Oh, God. Like, I was I played one of those Avengers games on the Facebook browser for so long. Yeah. I was really weirdly obsessed with it. It's... Uh, but this one goes, uh, for me, it's going to go at number 16. That's underneath Adventure Time, Explore the Dungeon Because I Don't Know, and above Cabela's Big Game Hunter Pro Hunts. As for the Lego games, uh, I, I like both of these a lot. Um, I think they're kind of staying in a pod with the Jurassic World game because my same complaint is going for all these Lego games. I think it's going to continue throughout is that these are fine. I like them. Uh, I don't think we use the way to play it. Uh, I don't mm. think that's the most enjoyable way to experience these games. So I'm putting them both uh, first superheroes, then Avengers, right above Jurassic World at number uh, 10 and 11, respectively. Um, well, let me move on to some letters from listeners. Hooray! We have three letters this week. Yay! Thank you, guys. you know what that means, listeners? No Prince Valiant. No Prince Valiant. <laughs> We're not going to torture you with Prince Valiant this week. Uh, our first letter starts, Dear Stephen Woody, I've been listening back through your old episodes, some for the third or fourth time. Wow. Wow, yes, my, my Nintendo 64 love runs that deep. <laughs> and I just had to ask this question, uh, and I had to go back and research this one. Oh, okay. uh, in the bonus feed episode, <laughs> Bonus 64, The Ulties, Volume 2, at 1 minute and 50 seconds <laughs> oh into the gosh. episode, Woody is midway through talking when Steve says, one sec. Then there's this crazed scream yell sound in the background, which doesn't sound like a noise Quantum could have made. <laughs> The scream is cut off midway, and the file has been edited so that Woody comes back and continues with the sentence. I completely understand if you don't remember or want to share this. <laughs> awesome. But I was wondering if there's a story behind this wonderful noise, which uh, I can't seem to stop listening to and have even shown it to my wife, who found it hilarious. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to pause the letter here. There's more letter, but I have to pause it because uh, I, I looked I into this. I think it's time to reveal it, right? Yeah. So at yeah. that moment, I murdered Steve. <laughs> And everyone who is after has been Bizarro Scroll Steve. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Secret, inva- Steve. Secret Invasion go. Steve. It's, call me Screeve. Yeah, 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 super yeah, no, yeah, we didn't want to. We didn't want to break it this way, but uh, you caught me. Yep. No, I went back and listened to it, and it is. It's definitely not a dog noise. It's definitely. I don't think it was the cat either. Like I couldn't quite pinpoint what it was, but it was just this little ah. 
and like I don't know what it was. I I can only assume that like Lindsay and some people were over watching TV in the other room. Oh sure, because the way the studio was, it was like we would close off the office and we had the TV in the other room. And sometimes maybe you went out and yelled over. at them because it was too loud, or it could have been. I don't know. It didn't sound like me either. It sounded maybe like a woman scream. Maybe. I had to leave to make some horrible mouth sound, like I was had a cold or something, and oh, I like maybe. tried to move away from the mic and like cough. But it- there, there were some moments. I remember there was an episode where your your allergies were really bad or something, and you kept having to turn around and sneeze. Yeah. And once you had to leave the room to go sneeze, okay. that could have been yeah, it. Yeah, I bet that was it. That's what we're going with. I'm curious, either okay. that or the murder thing. Yeah, one of the two. Uh, you wouldn't know if you were a scroll. Right? I wouldn't know. Like- I would know. I have no idea. Uh, the rest of the letter goes, loving the Wii U podcast and hoping for an eventual deep dive on some shorter game franchises, which don't have as many entries as the surprisingly prolific Bond series. Hey, we were hoping for that too, buddy. We're, we're doing that. <laughs> after, after playing 10 Tony Hawk games in a row. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's actually what we're aiming for. So something along the lines of an episode or two long series on Bioshock or Uncharted, or maybe look at a game franchise which died after a single outing, like a childhood favorite of mine, Kung Fu Chaos, for the original Xbox. Looking back on it now, the characterization of the game, I can understand why sequels weren't made and the developer's name was changed shortly afterwards. They went on to do all right for themselves as Ninja Theory, though. Oh, Thanks, Sean from Cairns, Australia. Thanks, Thank you, Sean. Sean. That, was, uh, that was fun to go back and listen to. <laughs> I would say go back and find that episode if you can and listen to that noise. It's weird. Uh, I mean, just to not get into too much Patreon talk, but I think, yeah, we're totally into doing like a separate... Like something smaller, I think sounds great. I feel like That's Uncharted, what think, yeah. like a lot of what has been said about Uncharted has been said. <laughs> like, Similar, it's, yeah. it's pretty major. Um, and I feel like, I, I as much as I would like to just talk about random one-offs, I feel like the what is what what, quali- what do you think makes a franchise, Jr. I feel like you need three three games for it to be a series. Maybe you could uh, get by with two. Say in the nineteen eighties, three counts as a franchise. But I feel like with the proliferation we have now. Probably four or five. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I really do think the standard's a little higher now to call it a franchise. And, and that was something that we were talking about doing for our next series. So if you don't know, over on uh, patreon.com slash ultra64pod, we're doing deep dives onto different series that people vote on for us to play. Uh, we're in the middle of our Tony Hawk series right now. And then when that one ends... I think we are going to try and do just a one-off. Yeah, we'll put up a poll four, for like four options of something, something smaller. Something that's just going to take one episode to to cover the entire series. Just, because I'm they're gonna, playing gonna, it like you can't do like four episodes on Streets of Rage. No. You and know, I'm going to spoil uh, spoil one of my nominations right now. Altered Beast. Did oh, you know that there were three Altered Beast games? I had no I idea. I had, I had no, no idea. idea. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Whoa. I have wow. I had a I have a weird pick that I was considering doing, but I don't know if it'll work. Uh, but yeah, I'll talk uh, about it. Yeah. SSX. That would SSX be a fun one. Great. We're definitely yeah. not going to do it right after Tony Hawk. No. But I do <laughs> love SSX. I will need a break yeah. a little bit. But, a, a break uh, from spinning on boards. Uh, the next letter says, hey, Woody and Steve. Hello. How do you all decide the order of your episodes and how many games to put in the episode? How far are you planning to go with the Wii U series and how many physical Wii U games are there? I remember N64 having around 300 Thanks, that, and keep up the like, good work. For, and that's from Vince. I think Vince. I feel like that was like a very light jab. Like, hey. How long is this going on? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> we know, like, when are you going to move on to a system people actually care about? <laughs> it's like, sorry, man, we're, we're doing the whole thing. 
There, yeah. there were few. There's, there's about I think one eighty. Oh, it's that games. much fewer. I thought yeah. it was almost the same amount as the N64. I might be wrong on that. I did a count and I forget exactly how okay. many. Uh, most of our game order is completely random. Yeah, like, I just start. You just you have a spreadsheet of all the games for the system, and it just gets randomized at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, I just totally randomize it. And uh, sometimes as we go through, like I'll combine episodes if I think like. Okay, well, looking at this, we've got like three racing games, and none of them are really enough to cover an entire episode by themselves, and so we'll combine it. Like, the big challenge I have that I've been facing with this episode, this series, is what to do with the Just Dance games because there's like nine of them, but they're all kind of the same game. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, we'll, 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 who knows? We can probably just I feel do like a we can Just come Dance out with episode. something weird. Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, and sometimes also occasionally they get moved around because. Um, like, we'll have two games that are way too similar right next to each other. Oh, sure. Um, or, you know, there might be a guest who's in town who we want to schedule something yeah, for. Yeah, but. we have we have free reign to move things around as we see fit, but yeah. 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 Usually I, it's just the random hand of fate. And I think occasionally, at least I remember once or twice, I had I had some real bad weeks when we were in 64, and I was like, Steve, I can't play that game next week. You have to give me something better. <laughs> That's so, which, yeah. which is still an option that we can exercise yes. at any time. Like, yeah, we have, if we need to squeeze a good game yeah. in it sometimes you know sometimes we i think we went on a jag with like the cabela's games and then losing the cabela's episode yeah, having and to redo to the again, cabela's episode and then the spongebob and then like yeah just let me a rough ask go. you do you think you can find good games easier on the wii u or on the n64 which has the better good game library that's that's an interesting question because I'm wondering, like, percentage-wise, we might be doing a little better on the Wii U, but I don't know. Oh man, I don't know. I it, it feels like based, ba if like these percentages kept up, I feel I don't know. I, I feel like the N64, but I just have a much bigger fondness for bad games on the N64. Like, I find joy in a bad game for the N64. Like, a bad game for the Wii U just feels unfun and soulless and not there's no nostalgia for me with it yeah so because that just makes it a lot so harder. much more recent you know when you yeah. think of a bad game on the n64 it's, it's thinking towards your youth uh when you think of a bad game on the wii u you're thinking of oh yeah uh back during the worst economic <laughs> recession of my lifetime yeah exactly it, yeah it yeah. also just feels like a bad game on the n64 was at least doing something weirder like I they were feel like, scrappier, yeah. Yeah, the bad games here are just often very uninteresting in the well, way that like your SpongeBob Battle for no, it's not whatever that game was. Yeah, called. whatever. Plankton's it was. Revenge, something something like that. Yeah. And, but and it's also by the time the Wii U came out, it's the market is being much more dominated by like these giant corporations, you know. So like they're they're less invested in the quality of each specific game and more about just kind of churning it out. And they're definitely less invested in making sure the Wii U got a high-quality port of something like that. That's why we're seeing so many Activision games that seem like so indifferent. Yeah, indif you know. indifferent is a good way to put it. It feels like there's no no sort of passion behind it. And I, it's hard to tell like what system has more good games until we get to the end of this. I felt like I felt pretty comfortable saying that there were about 50 good games on the Nintendo 64. Of, yeah. Like, I would happily play more of this game. Yeah. And then it felt like there was mm -hmm. about 50 more that we were like, I guess I'd play this. It's and fine. then there was 100 that's like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. There's a lot of, uh, yeah. And so we'll see as we get farther. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see how it shakes out. 
Uh, one last letter here was unsigned, so we're going to make up a name for them at the end. Tex Avery. It's Tex Avery. It's it's famed cartoonist and longtime dead person Tex Avery. It's <laughs> what his business card says. <laughs> hey, Woody and Steve, on your Adventure Time episode, you briefly mentioned the DS game, Hey, Ice King, Why'd You Steal Our Garbage? Mm-hmm. It was also made by WayForward, and it grafted the Adventure Time license to the Zelda 2 format. Overhead oh, in the yeah. overworld, random encounters and dungeons as seen as a 2D side-scroller. Like the Adventure Time dungeon game you reviewed, it doesn't completely come together, but still it's cool that they attempted a Zelda 2 homage, because no one does that. It's true. Do you have any favorite or most clever grafting of a popular game format to a license? Something more than put this character in a 2D platformer. Uh, the, the example that comes to mind immediately, and maybe it just it stands out extra because of how much better the game is than the license, but the Mummy Demastered from a couple years ago. It's like a Switch game. It's another way forward, and it's a uh, it's a Metroidvania that's using the Tom Cruise Mummy as a as a, the I dark you were universe. Say the Tom Cruise engine, like, oh, the Tom <laughs> Cruise engine, <laughs> yeah. designed it. It's the, whatever they use to keep Tom Cruise running that fast yeah. at his age. Yeah, they they put it in that. That's that's what I can think of. Is like that's a good use of this license. Like take something, you know. I I feel like. Most of the time, like even after playing all these Metroid games on our Patreon show, like most of the time, if you take something and make it more Metroid-like, I'm gonna like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna cite a game that I've never played, so I have no oh. idea if it's a good game or not. All but right. I think it is a cool use. Um, have you? They made a uh, John Wick game that was like a turn-based tactical shooter. Really, I yeah. haven't heard of this. And I. Look it up real quick, Steve. Yeah, you yeah, have, yeah. You have a phone machine. Yeah, let me look I, it up. I don't. Yeah, John uh, it just Tactics it just struck me as cool. And I like I like that as an idea. I mean, yeah. that's a license that would make a really exceptional like video game franchise. Right, but I think that it was smart because I don't think they had the budget for a John Wick game to do like. Am I, am I making this up? No, this is right. This is John Wick Hex. Okay. It looks like it's kind of a cell shade. I got it's confused because um, I was going to say it was a Jonah Hex game. It, but. It, it looks like an XCOM style game, like a like an XCOM style uh, turn-based shooter, which that's a great idea. Yeah. That's a great use of that franchise. I think for a John Wick game to be like a fun third-person action game, you'd have to put a pretty big amount of money into it for it to be good. And I think that this is a smart way to use the license without having to put that much money into it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. JR, do you have any, uh, any that you can think of? Not really. It's not my, my area. No, no worries. It's a tough no pull off the top. Of it my is head. a tough pull. Um, well, thank you. Uh, anonymous letter writer, Tex Avery. We appreciate you writing <laughs> sure. in. Jonathan uh, Wick. Jonathan Wick. Uh, JR, thank you so, so much for being here and talking about these games with us. Um, where can people find your awesome podcast and all the stuff that you're doing? Talking Terrific Television is found on Apple Podcasts and all your other favorite podcast listening platforms. Uh, we also have a Facebook page called Talking Terrific Television. Just punch it into Facebook. And uh, yes, we are currently covering The Sopranos. So if you have any interest in that, uh, please pop on by and uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. So are you guys, once you make it through The Sopranos, are you going to talk a different piece of terrific television? Is that the plan? We are debating that internally. You know, okay. uh, we're getting... Uh, the Sopranos is a long show. That's you true. Know, there's 86 episodes. Uh, we're already past the uh, one-year anniversary of our show. Okay. And uh, we have gone so in-depth into one thing, we really feel like we want to try and jump around more 
and try mm. different uh, television shows just to get a little more variety instead of going, well, time to do uh, an- another uh, project that's going to take us two years to cover sure. all of Mad Men. Yeah, sure, yeah. Whatever. Which is kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah, Mad Men like, would be kind of the natural evolution it, of that. But yeah, it, it all, would. But about it was, Nickelodeon just, guts. Exactly. That would be, that, that's where I would go. Next. No, but you Legend can't of the do Hidden that Temple. on television. Yes. Yes. You yeah, know? Exactly. Yeah. Or just yeah. make a really weird, like, one season uh, knockoff of, like, Geico's Caveman TV show or something, you know? Yeah. There's got to be a podcast about Nickelodeon's All That, right? I feel like you could really make a pretty fleshed out podcast about All That. Yeah. For what's all Kel of, doing? All of the people who have come and gone through there. You have, like, that's where you like, man. This is a good idea, actually. Actually, like, yeah. You splinter yeah. off into like you have your Amanda Bynes subseries. Uh-huh. And, like, then you have Keaton Thompson, yeah. two-time Emmy nominee just this year, <laughs> yeah, who's exactly. exceeding everything. And then Lori Beth Denberg, who's probably doing fine. Sure. I imagine like if you didn't either crash and burn a la Amanda Bynes or really succeed a la Keenan, you're just like a lawyer. Yeah. Doesn't that seem to be the go-to? Like, <laughs> if once kid actors stop acting, they just become lawyers. Like well, half the Goonies. Would it be called All All That? Would that be the name of the show? <laughs> That'd be a good title for that. I think I'd appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. We are Ultra 64 at all the different uh, social media places. You can write into us at ultra64podcast at gmail.com. Next week, we are playing... Uh, what are we playing? Something weird, Legends of the Hidden Temple, the video <laughs> game. I mean, this might be that for all I know. It's a game uh, I know absolutely fuck all about oh. which is always exciting that for is me. exciting uh and it, this is gianna sisters twisted dreams okay Do you know about this one? i have played this game you played this game. i played this game. okay all right i'm excited i'm okay. excited i don't know anything about it so i'm excited to dig into this one uh jr thank you again for being here uh we hope to have you on again uh and uh love to come back sometime a lot of yeah. fun thanks for having me on the show absolutely all right everybody we will see you next time i'm gonna just blast off with my little hand repulsor things Hovering, 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 zoom, I'm fly- I flew away. That was my Foley work, this was good, right? Yeah. Zoom. Five stars. Mm-hmm.